0: Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews, and resources for ITAM, SAM, and software licensing professionals. Okay, hello, everyone. Welcome to our first monthly news podcast, where we're going to discuss some of the stories during the month of, well, the last month, so in this instance, the month of June, which um, was quite a busy month for us, because we had our Wisdom Amir event in Twickenham, which I think was our biggest one yet. Um, joining me is Rich Gibbons, MD of ITAM Review. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. Hi, uh, Rich. And AJ, ITAM Industry Analyst for the ITAM Review.
1: Yeah. Hi everyone.
0: Also nice to be here. Some of these things I should have said both of you don't really need an introduction because most people should know who you are, but good to get that out of the way. So I'll go through the stories that we're going to go through. We're going to go through five today. Some have been we've gone through in the on the website, some we haven't. Some, so what we're going to do, we're going to look at a little range. So the vendor financials article, we do this once a quarter now where we look at some of the the tier one vendors, see what their quarterly financials say, see if we can kind of garner any information from that. So we'll do that one first. Then we'll move on to an interview we did with Vodafone about training the next generation of ITAM professionals and looking at kind of degrees and apprenticeships in particular. Um then we follow on with a report from Crayon, which is kind of looking at kind of the state of IT and ITAM. Um, that will combined with an interview with Hayley Mooney. And then we move on to the quite recent news of IBM acquiring Aptio. And then last but not least, um, someone was crazy enough to have a Sam tattoo put on their arm. So we're going to have a little fun talking about that one. So, all right, we'll kick off. So vendor financials, I'll I'll summarise some of the points that were in the article. I'm not going to go through the whole lot because there was quite a few. Um, But the ones probably of note, IBM, firstly, so their first results of their financial, financial year 23, so the Q1 for that, for IBM, weren't that great. So there was an increase in most areas. So they're all very small. So just a 0.4% increase to only $14.3 billion in overall revenue. It's a big number, but it's not a very big, big increase. Microsoft, on the other hand, is quite a different story. Um, up 7% per quarter, with the 52.9%. Billion net income, which increased nine percent to eighteen point three billion for the quarter. I believe there was a double digit growth for Office Three Six Five Commercial, fourteen percent. Dynamics Three Six Five was up twenty five, and Azure was up twenty seven. LinkedIn is also growing at eight percent. So Azure seems to be it's obviously growing, but the the level of growth is is going down. Um, Yet on the other hand, some of their newer products are showing showing more growth here. So Azure Azure Arc is up fifteen thousand, up to fifteen thousand plus customers, which they say is one hundred fifty percent up from the year on year. Power Platform is up to thirty three million monthly active users, and that's a fifty percent increase year on year. Um, And they say that. About 60% of their enterprise customers are buying Teams phone, Teams room, and or Teams premium. So Teams is going great guns. Um, And Satya Nadella also confirmed that the upcoming swathe of AI co-pilot releases will be monetized soon. So you'd expect to see some growth in that coming into next year. Um, So Rich, anything you are, you are the uh, notorious BIG of Microsoft licensing. So anything (laughs) that kind of stands out there for you? Um, Microsoft.
2: I mean, it's kind of, in many ways, you know, same old, same old for Microsoft. They're, they're, they're doing well across the boards. Um, you know, I think last quarter, the, so the quarter before we're talking about the income decreased year on year for the first time in, in ages, but that, that's back to being, you know, in, uh, in the positive again. Um, you know, 53 billion revenue for the quarter, that that's bigger than Oracle, bigger than Coca-Cola. I think it's bigger than Nike. Uh, so one quarter bigger than the annual revenues. So, you know, they're, yeah. they're doing all right for themselves. Um, and then I think, yeah, you know, monetizing teams, we think of teams as being free, but to form, rooms, and premium, you know, are all additional. Um, and then I think, you know, Copilot were on the verge of that, being released and it's gonna, you know, there's a core pilot for everything: Word, Excel, Power Automate, Bing, Windows 11, everything. Um, we've we've got the licensing for that. Uh, it's been hinted at. We've not got pricing, but I think that will be the next big thing. So, so really, you know, the the strong, uh, you know, Azure. Yeah, as you say, you know, it's growing every quarter. The percentage gets a little bit smaller. I think you know that's partly because obviously the 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 base gets bigger, so it's harder to keep mm. the same percentage growth. But there was um with this FTC case that, that's going on with Microsoft at the moment, um apparently some unredacted documents were put up briefly, which some of the news outlets have jumped on, um, which is showing that Azure. Is, is possibly a bit smaller than all the analysts thought. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, what that means. Very oh, interesting. Um, so I, th- I think it was saying, yes, just under half the size of AWS, um, which isn't quite where people had pegged it. Um, so, so, yeah, but all in all, Microsoft, you know, they're, they're doing well. They You know, they're going through a bunch of changes, you know, new products and things, but... I think for most customers, it will be um, you know similar similar story that they're used to.
0: Interesting. Was that the um, the Activision Blizzard acquisition thing? That's
2: yeah. I think it must came have. out
0: from that, so it's like a gaming acquisition. But they're talking a lot about cloud within that. So uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I of... only saw it briefly, but this morning, um, and like I say, it, yeah, some documents got put up. I think as part of the legal discovery and, and then yeah. Taken down again. They, they shouldn't have been there, apparently. Um, but yeah, the, there's a few of the the tech, the uh, information. I think is, is the main one that that led with that. So we'll um, yeah, interesting to see.
0: Interesting. Well, um, there are a few other points that were in that article about Oracle, SAP. Um, they're growing uh, mostly in the cloud space, which seems to be a bit of a theme, obviously. Um, and then probably the biggest news cloud wise was Google cloud is finally profitable, which was <laughs> how many of that it? It only took 15 years. They got there in the end. I so it's whether they can sustain it now. So sales of 7.4 billion and a profit of a meagly 191 million. So, you know, only two and a half percent, but that's better than being in the red. So um, it, it, it does just, seem that
1: <laughs> they're, it does seem that they're sticking with something for once in a while because um there's been a bit of um, a stink online about Google. They've um so that they launched Google Domains only last year, um, basically as a domain registrar. Um really. Sort of, yeah, sort of built into um that if you buy if you buy workspace from them, then you could buy your domain or right. Google Domains. Also, loads of people ported stuff over to Google. Um, and they've just decided, oh, they don't want to do that anymore. Um, and they've sold the business to Squarespace. Um, and everyone's like, I've spent months porting domains across to you, some kind, in some cases from Squarespace, and it's now gone back there. And, um, you know, so it was a really big launch, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, quite a big move. And for whatever reason, they've gone forward. Sorry, no,
0: not 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 exciting and new. Um, such a strange move, isn't it? It's like 20 years late, we're going to go into domains. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah. Actually, we'll just let the established players carry on. Yeah, yeah i was thinking if if they if they've lost what was it 14 billion in the last few years on google cloud they've made 191 million it's gonna take a while to recoup isn't it mm. if that's the but then i suppose it's the trend isn't it is it 191 million should get somewhat bigger
1: yeah um going, going back to microsoft um just just for some user user observations from um from me because i don't really follow microsoft particularly we've got rich for that but um um you know I, things have popped up i i was i was in powerpoint a couple of weeks ago and there was a ai type create me a create me a presentation um outline and 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 deck that was surprisingly good so I, I, is that the copilot stuff that's coming along is that
2: um no so that's uh, been in windows for quite a while right i think this is part of the no, that's a mac oh I, I forgot we had mac customers as well Let, let's let's give them something give them something a year later yeah
1: yeah uh, I okay think
2: Copilot, so it's it isn't co-pilot, but it is it is very similar in, in essence. Mm. That, that idea of I've got an idea, but I don't really know how to get there. Can, can you do it for me effectively? Mm. Um, yeah. so so yeah, I th- I think co pilot will be like that, but you know, bigger and broader. Right. Uh, so mm-hmm. say so, so yeah, I think it will be it'll be very useful. Um One thing I do think with Copilot and with a lot of these AI tools is, you know, as a business, you know, everyone's using them, doing great things, you know, you're using them for a few years. If you then think, actually, I don't want to renew this license, how do you get your entire company to stop using these tools almost overnight and go back to doing things manually? Um, I I think for customer organizations, it's going to be, you know, potentially, once you start using some of these AI tools, it's going to be very difficult to roll it back.
1: Yeah, I was very much in the kind of, no, it's going to take my job um, um, world of AI at the start of the year, and um, sort of, and now it can't possibly be as good as I am at writing something. <laughs> um, and I've kind of, kind of gone through that trough of kind of like the, that that cycle of the hype, and actually, you know for, for for sort of white paper syndrome for kind of like okay well i know what i want to talk about but give me some structure here um it's it's absolutely invaluable and you know it lets you really then focus on like the higher value stuff it's a bit like automation in 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 itam isn't it you know you, you kind of you get the nuts and bolts car- done for you and then you can actually get on and make something strategic and hopefully um interesting that's something very helpful isn't
0: there about being presented with some words rather than a blank piece of paper The start yeah you you iterate from there yeah yeah okay all right should we move on move on to the next one so uh the next one was was our interview with vodafone so this was about training the next generation of it profession ITAM professionals obviously this is a big issue in the industry it's been talked about a lot um and then we did so this was a talk that this was ahead of a talk that um, was being that they were going to present at Westminster and Twickenham. So I spoke with them ahead of that for this for this article. So this was based on an interview with Chloe McKay, who is a technically a level six project management apprentice at Vodafone, um, along with her boss Julia Veal, about the challenges of training the next generation of ITEM professionals kind of her role how she became an apprenticeship, why she became an apprenticeship apprentice. Um, and It was kind of interesting to know that obviously she didn't apply specifically for an ITAM apprenticeship because those don't exist yet. But she wanted a project management role at Vodafone and then they get a certain number of them in once a year. It's not many, very hard to get in, very competitive. Um, and Once she was in, then people within Vodafone will then kind of bid to... To get an apprentice, apprentice, and I know Julia mentioned she'd had one once before, and it'd gone very well, mm. and so she was front of the queue. Really wanted an apprentice, um, and she got one. So she got she got Chloe, um, and you know she, she big believer in it because one of the challenges she she had was that you know any you know any graduate that comes in, you know she's joined they join her team, then within a couple of years they might move on to something shinier for lack of a better word a bit (laughs) bit more oh yeah like they they often move into the development side into the coding or or something like that so um with an apprentice they're they're stuck with her whether they like it or not for four years which is a brilliant which is a brilliant way of getting really stuck in Mm. you know and you you really deliver that value and um there's there's a quote that i just wanted to say from julius you know it's just She's very clear that ITAM isn't doing a very good job of attracting new talent into the industry. She's very she's conscious that many of the senior practitioners are of a certain age where retirement isn't far away. And she's very concerned that if their skills and knowledge aren't replaced, and the industry risks taking a massive step back. So she sees it as a bit of a ticking time bomb where all the progress that's been made in maturing the industry in the last 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to take a big step back. And she was very conscious of that. That'd be great news for the vendors. Suddenly, they're going to audits might become a little bit easier for them because they'll be dealing with less experienced, more junior people. Um, and it's a you know it's a genuine concern. So um, they had a they did their talk, but there were a few things. That, I mean, I should stress I've got a I've got a vested interest in this insofar as my my stepson is he's eighteen, so he's going to be going to university this year, um, and I've been doing the sums on the. the the cost of university in the UK you know it's um student debt is expected to be about 45 and a half 45,800 pounds when a graduate leaves in in England um that's the debt that they'll leave with and that's higher now than the US which is quite a quite a thing um so apprenticeships are looking very attractive um but at the flip side there aren't there aren't anywhere near as many as there are actually degrees. So apprenticeships at degree level, there's just over a hundred thousand each year, versus nearly two million, grad degree places. So there's some way to go. So, I mean, AJ, you, 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 you went to her yeah. talk, didn't you? And you came out with quite a few things to, to say. It, it, yeah. I think it triggered triggered a few things in your mind as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I I mean, I've got a 13, almost 14-year-old, so I'm slightly sort of down the line from from where you are, George. But um, equally, yeah, it's, um, I kind of didn't even know, and I felt somewhat ashamed that I didn't know that there were degree-level apprenticeships, you know, that you you can, and and the benefits are huge. Um, I I kind of followed the traditional route through going to uni, but admittedly, I went to uni in my mid-20s um so i did work a bit beforehand and and that certainly benefited my university career um but um i had no idea that you could do a degree um get paid for it get your fees paid work for someone do 4 hours a, no, sorry sort of 4 days a week um with an employer or whatever which kind of reminds me of um how it used to be on what we used to call sandwich courses um back mm. when i was when i was younger uh where you go to a, a polytechnic and you it wasn't really a proper degree and people looked down on you quite the opposite with this i mean a modern apprentices as a as a potential employer of people the the, the level of of individual you're producing is, is 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 quite exceptional really i think um it's great preparation um i've always felt that ITAM is a is a perfect gateway to uh, to an it career anyway because you've got this whole view of the estate and you're t- talking immediately with with senior stakeholders, um, or your team is at, re- at the very least, and you've actually got a chance to, on a daily basis, make a big difference and, and really sort of move the needle on stuff. You know, you can you can go in and look at a, a licensing agreement, work out how to restructure it and save five, six figures. Um, and you know that kind of thing gets you noticed. Gets you noticed a much more than that would do if you're on some sort of graduate scheme. Um, I, I I joined, when I came into the, back into the world of work, I, I went into a graduate scheme, and we spent two years kind of doing things that, that were a bit like university projects that were kind of trying to be innovative and looking ahead, uh, but ultimately didn't really go anywhere. Um, and we just ended up going into the departments that we wanted to work in, and I, I ended up working in IT. Um, as it happened, shortly after that, Julia became my boss um, and um, spent a considerable amount of time uh, telling me how to play nice with people and generally stop being an arrogant, sort of an arrogant graduate. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, she she she, she does have past form. She, she spent most of her career trying to develop um, people and bringing a lot of people through. Um, and she's right there. There is this gap in, in the sort of late 20s, early 30s, that the, the next phase of ITAM pros, I do wonder where they're coming. They must be out there. Um, and we'd love to hear from you because, you know, you, I'm kind of a bit fed up with people my age going up on stage and and talking about stuff that they've been doing for twenty years. You know, I, it's time for some fresh insights. And one of the things that Chloe mentioned was that because she's she's an apprentice, she's not employed by Vodafone. Um, she's not going to get fired, unlike the other apprentice. <laughs> unlike the other apprentice, um, you know, it's it's yeah, she, she she's got a job, so she can be really challenging. And 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 certainly Julia and the team really appreciate that because you can go and say, well, why are we doing it this way? How about doing it this way? And also, you're getting that kind of current current research into business that you that you do get from university. Um, so you can bring these fresh ideas in from from your you know from your from your lecturers and from your tutors and stuff, um, and really challenge things. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I've suddenly kind of probably restructured my retirement plans almost because i'm thinking <laughs> well i could probably get my son on one of these things you know he's and uh, whether he would uh, he he's already, he's already got a bit of a plan but whether he would go to university i don't think so not not with coming out with that level of debt because i mean mm, i think
0: the yeah. the maths the maths has changed things hasn't it it's like well, it, yeah. I- I know when I went, it was it was the the first year that tuition fees became a thing. It was like yes. oh, tuition, and it was a whole nine hundred and fifty pounds a year in tuition <laughs> fees, and we were we were yeah. so cross about it. Not you know we were students, we were cross about everything. That's that's just goes with the territory, doesn't it? But yeah. you know, I remember my my total debt was twelve thousand, and that was all accommodation, all tuition fees.
2: Yeah,
0: in a era of low interest rates, so I. I remember paying it off and I would see it go down. It you would know, come off my pay each, each month. It's like, okay, hmm. yeah. But it wasn't crippling. That was the thing. And well, yeah, it, it's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was much the same. I came out with um, I don't know, probably about 10K of debt, I think, from, mm. from memory. But it did definitely impact you at that time when you're you're fresh out of uni and you're thinking well it's time to buy a flat and and get on the housing ladder that that debt does does have an impact and mm. it does hold you back you know I undoubtedly and I was I came out in 97 so just before there was a housing boom around about that time and I, and I kind of missed the boat because I, I didn't have deposits you know and at that time and there wasn't really zero um deposit mortgages around just at that point um and so I missed the boat and the outshot, upshot, of that is, I'm probably here now talking to you at 53. <laughs> um, I, I may well be retired by now, otherwise. So, yeah, you have to think these long, these things through long term, um, as to, as to what you know, what the impact is, and and, it, and ultimately, is it worth it? Um, yes, I suppose if you're going into quite some sort of uh, advanced fields, you know, I I, I I question the need to go and do. A degree level in in business for example i mean i think you're probably better getting that in practical terms on on an mm-hmm. apprenticeship and then yeah by all means go back and do do an mba um but um you know i did a practical business degree and i learned more in about six months at yellow pages um than i did in the three years at university
0: that's the thing isn't it it's a mm. thing What well, what about you rich what are your thoughts on kind of where we're going with kind of the the next generation, where we find them, and how I mean, just a just lot of it
2: is around changing the perception of ITAM, and hmm. um, and it's a bit of a catch twenty two that you know if you look at ITAM, it's lots of um, you know white fellows in their fifties, um, and but because there are we haven't we haven't found out how to get new people in, it's difficult to change the perception but you can't get the new people until you change the perception
0: um yeah chicken and egg
2: yeah but i think you know with cloud with itam becoming more involved in um you know cost management cloud technologies digital transformation you know there is a real opportunity to position itam you know move away from the old you know Counting things in the corner perception, you know, which as has, hasn't been correct for a long time, but but has stuck for some reason. Um, so you know, it's it's trying to change that and making it, you know, it, it's a business discipline. It has opportunities, you know, for from a personal perspective, you know, opportunities to to learn new things, to travel, etc. You know, to be promoted. Um, you know, and from a, a professional perspective, you know, you can move into other fields, you can turn it into, you know different roles, set up your own business based on it in the future, et cetera. I think it it's how do we communicate all of that to people at the right point in their life? Um you know, how do we get it to to younger people? Um, and yeah, you know, item review, we, we've tried some things We're we're trying some other things. Um, and I think you do see kind of you know, green shoots of, of, you know, we're seeing some new people at the conferences, for example. So it is, it is happening. We just need to, to make sure it's got the momentum to, to keep going. Um, so it's uh, yeah, so it's something for everyone to to consider and and try and help with you know whether you're a, a consultant, a vendor, a tool provider, an end user. I think you know we all need to work together to um, to, to change that perception and, and get the right message out there. Quite all right, all
0: right. It's funny what we said about perception and um, people have that. That old style perception that ITAM is just the bean counting type thing. When I when I told a friend of mine who's he runs an IT support company, I told him I was going to a an ITAM conference for two days. He kind of looked at me, thought, "Oh, (laughs) poor you." (laughs) He has this idea, it's akin to like a accountancy two days with accountants or something. No offense to accountants either. There you go. You know another industry that's probably way misunderstood based on stereotypes, and it's just couldn't be further from the truth but it I think as as the experiences of wisdom would would show so All right.
2: so much energy and growth and things yeah it's just uh yeah getting getting the 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 news out there you know I mean we've we've done some bits recently with open University I know we were kind of um ragging on uh, universities a little bit but you know we've done some stuff with them to to try and get the message out there for some of the the graduates and people so so there are, are some things happening but absolutely ideas suggestions you know let us know and we'll we'll see what we can do um as item review
0: brilliant all right you're happy to move on move on to the next one absolutely Thanks. all right so story number three is uh an interview we did with uh Haley Mooney, um the UK general manager at Crayon off the back of a report that they did into the kind of I guess bis- business um confidence and the kind of IT investment. And so a few kind of headline headline figures from it. And this is a global report, I should stress. So it included US, Australia, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia, so the whole the whole thing. So um 90 percent of businesses um have got cost optimization as a high priority right now, which is, uh, which is good to see. Um and also I guess not not surprising given the the, the kind of the, the current economic climate. Um 35% are either assessing their IT spend or, or already cutting it. Um 5% are lying because they believe that their IT budget is fully optimised, there's nothing more to do. Um well, what I think what struck us was three and five are implementing a FinOps practice right now. So um, when we were speaking to Haley, she said that um, obviously their customers, you know, the, the bigger customers have made big commitments and the hyperscalers, you know, Microsoft, AWS specifically, they've got these big multi-year commitments and are now struggling with the cost of managing these things. Um, and she was stressing that not everyone that should be investing in FinOps is. So there is budget starting to be released, but and there is this slow realization that cost savings can be made in the cloud, but it's just it's just filtering through, isn't it? Like like with many things. Um, but three and five, you know, that's that's pretty, you know, considering that's something that was barely discussed just a few years ago. Um, does that chime with what what you guys are seeing? Does that feel about right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, pretty much everyone is talking about. Finops, um, you know, it it's it's become a big thing in in the ITAM world, you know, it's its own world. Um I guess you know it's it's the same with, with ITAM, you know, when someone says they're implementing an ITAM practice, that can mean very different things to different people. Um, you know, it might mean one person doing half an hour a week, or it might mean a, you know, a team of twenty. Um, so i think finops is is probably a, a similar point where um, it, it it means different things to different organisations but you know the idea of yeah cloud cost management cloud economics it's you know, it's a- absolutely a, a huge focus for for any customers in the cloud um and and you know i mean everyone will will have seen you know there's plenty of work going on to how itam and finops work together um so yeah so i think yeah so 60 percent of people um that that would sound about right i think yeah mm. it's always interesting. interesting when
0: it's sorry sorry AJ.
1: yeah i think something else that's going to come along in the next couple of years is you're going to need to do this stuff uh for other reasons as well so so you might even this year you might not be caring too much about money if you're making money for the cloud but you're going to have to start reporting your cloud usage um, in quite some detail for um, uh, sustainability reasons. Um, so so your ESG reporting, if you're a if you're a European firm of pretty much any size, uh, if you're a US listed firm, then you're gonna have to start reporting the impacts of your um, cloud usage um, on the environment. So you're gonna need to start measuring that somehow. Um, we have a fair bit of discussion going on uh, as to what that means. Um, in terms of um, how trustworthy, shall we say, um, the hyperscalers are in terms of how much you can actually trust the data they're providing. Because they are starting to provide this data for you to say, you know, yes, you're running that workload and it's on a data center that's using renewable energy versus one that's using um, using fossil fuels. Um, they do have data on um, local impact of your workloads as to where as to where they're sitting, sitting. and you can, in the theory, go. Okay, I'm going to move it to, to a low carbon um, data center if that fits your ASG goals, for example. So, um, if FinOps is, is about saving money, um, then you're going to have some sort of not quite sure what you'd end up calling it. Sort of a green tinged FinOps that's going to need you're just going to need to do in order to to, to meet your regulatory um, filing requirements.
2: I mean, I think it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the two things are coming together. Um, I will say for any FinOps people that are listening, I, I will say what they're thinking, that FinOps isn't about saving money. It's about uh, efficient use of money. Um, because absolutely, people will um, will be writing in to us about that. Same uh, thing. Spend efficiency, not cost savings.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's more to do with the fact that you're going to get this year, I'd imagine you're going to have... A push from the bean counters uh, to say, we're, "What? You no, know, we're we're chucking perhaps millions at our hyperscaler. What value are we getting for that?" And yeah, I, you know, I absolutely agree. You know, it is of course about aligning the, the value you're getting from that cloud, and that actually effectively how much you're you're, you're making, how much money you're making from it, because it's underpinning your business processes. But um, um, that's kind of an abstraction that I can understand that FinOps would like to talk about. But in reality, it's going to be kind of, "Can you cut that bill, please?" <laughs> um I would yeah. say from, just from just, just from an outsider's uh, viewpoint, if I was a you know a cost accountant or whatever, that's probably what I'd be kind of thinking.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know th- this is where lots of the good conversations come about ITAM and FinOps and things that yeah, you know, saying, Can you cut that bill? You know, and then on one hand, yep, absolutely we can, we can turn this stuff off, but then it's that, well, actually, you know, we've reduced the cloud bill. But now our, you know, our streaming service is 9% less efficient. So we've lost, you know, 2% of our customers, which has cost us seven times more than we saved on the cloud bill. Yeah. Um, and ITAM, I think that's one of the things that we can really learn from FinOps is everything that we do just translating it into that kind of business approach as well you know if, if we cut this microsoft contract or this oracle contract what's the kind of follow-through impacts and i think that's where itam and finops can do some really cool stuff together um but to, to the point of the, the environmental sustainability piece absolutely i mean there are there's a, a growing industry you know and around cloud sustainability with the data centers and i think it, it will become a differentiator for some organizations you know how they look at their cloud usage in terms of, of the greenness of it as you said aj mm. Um so it, it's yeah you know again great opportunity for for itam you know you, you can help in the cloud, from a cost perspective, you can help from a sustainability and ESG perspective. You know, it really puts ITAM and, and our data and processes and knowledge in a really strong
0: place. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. I always find it's funny how these this idea that the whole industry has come about of managing cloud costs as if someone wasn't managing it before. Like we've been investing in cloud for a long, long time. Um, I just find it looking at these industries where they set up, they come up with a, you know, the term FinOps has it's just come to define something that people were probably trying to do or doing for quite some time individually, and they yeah. talk together. And said, Let's give it a cool name, and now it gains traction. Yeah, it's it, it's a bit it's a bit
1: like um what used to be telephony expense management TEM. Um, which then became technology expense management, which was kind of ITAM, but only focused on cost. And it did start off by, by just looking at your at your phone circuits, and then your you know it's mostly it tends to be an American concept. So um, phone circuits, local, international, um, you know, coast to coast calling costs. Then it went into cell phones. And then suddenly it works out. Actually, we've got network costs as well. So, so we're, we're measuring mm. the cost of our of our lease lines. And now it's it's out doing SaaS and cloud as well. You know, you you've got this whole sort of separate group of people who are a bit like ITAM but aren't really interested in licensing. They're just doing expense management. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, and that's kind of you know, there's there, there, we all meet in the middle somewhere, um, and mm. we're, we're we're like the um, like the famous some um, spider-man gif <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we're basically doing the same thing uh, just in different views different, different, from different perspectives but we end up end up in the same place
0: and i got the idea of tying it all to the to the bottom line of the, the business profitability and mm. the the operations of the business makes a lot of sense mm. okay all right well let's move on um news very recent very recent so ibm announced its acquisition was intent to acquire, I should say, um, Aptio. So I think Rich, you um, got wind of this early and then, then it was confirmed and we got an article out on it this week. Um, so they're acquiring Aptio for 4.6 billion US dollars, um, a sum which represents a 150% return for the current owners of Vista equity partners. So Aptio is a big player in cloud optimization. Um, So this appears to be quite a good fit for IBM. Um, with them and everyone else pushing towards towards the cloud, so I guess first question: Does this seem like a good fit, Rich? Do you think this makes sense? Um,
2: yeah, I mean, you know, Aptio have got really good pedigree. You know, they've been doing what they call technology business management for years. You're looking at the finance side of things, then they acquired uh, Cloudability a few years ago, and Cloudability are the originators of FinOps. that's where it was where or, or it was born mm-hmm. if i uh, if i remember correctly um so yeah aptio great company you know the, the people i know there you know absolutely brilliant um and then yeah you know ibm they've been on a very public mission to become a a cloud company uh, you know they they bought red hat for you know 34 billion they sold off you know what is now Kindrel, um they bought uh, Node Cloud a couple of years ago. They bought Turbonomic a couple of years ago. So Aptio, it does seem like quite a logical progression. Um, and I would imagine, you know, to, to some degree, it's a, a service that they can sell, you know, in terms of like licensing. It's absolutely something that their consulting um can use to power a whole new range um, and also, you know, new customers, new data, and insights th- that they can use across the business. So, so yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, that, you know, that this market, this, there's lots of acquisitions and consolidations over the last few years. Um, so, so yeah, you know, very, very sensible. Um, it'd be interesting to see what IBM do with it. Uh, you know I know some people are, are concerned it will just you know sort of get lost in the in the bigness of of big blue or, or big purple as, as we like to call it now <laughs> um but yeah I think on paper it looks like a very
0: shrewd move really last but not least this is I've been looking forward to discussing this one so someone has got themselves a Sam tattoo literally the word Sam tattooed onto their arm so it's Man by the name of Jitendra Dasali, he's a software asset manager at RealPage Inc. in India. And he put up a LinkedIn post. I think you saw it, Rich. I think it was a, a short video of um, one of those kind of tattoo unveilings where you have like the soap on the arm and then they scrape it off and then there's the tattoo underneath. Um, and it was literally just, I'll, I'll describe it um, for those that haven't seen it. It's literally, it's the word SAM, S A M morning capitals the kind of space age kind of circle kind of around it almost like the the rings of a planet circling around sam um very cool it's on his arm um and um we just had to we we reached out to him to kind of find out firstly if it was real or not and he confirmed it absolutely 100% was real um he's very clearly very passionate about sam we had a story about how he's um how his son picked up on the fact that he's got a young son and picked up the fact that he absolutely loves Sam and thought, well, how can he express this love or get a tattoo? So um, I guess the question is whether anyone else out there has got a tattoo. And um, Rich or AJ, have either of you got a Sam tattoo or do you intend to get one? And if (laughs) not, why not?
2: (laughs) I mean, I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't got any plans to... To get one. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I saw that, I mean, it's the first time I've ever seen it. Um, Anyone getting a a Sam tattoo? I've seen people with Microsoft tattoos, IBM tattoos before, but but never a Sam one. Um, So it's quite possibly, you know, a a world first. Mm. Uh, But yeah, it's not on my to-do list, to be fair. I,
1: I think this is a, this is about passion, isn't it? Right, you're, and the industry does um, generate this. Um, I remember uh, I've already mentioned Lotus Notes once on this podcast. I'm going to mention it again. I spent ten years in in the Notes community, which is a really kind of niche community, actually, for a product that most people hated, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, if you were a user, uh, yeah, you're like kind of please, kind of have Outlook. Um, but anyway. Um, that's a really passionate community. It's still going, even though uh, IBM sold notes many years ago. Um, it retained its yellow identity within within um, IBM for a very long time as well. IBM Blue, notes was yellow, uh, always has been. And I, there's still conferences going on. And even though it's now owned by HCL, who are also kind of pretty much blue, um, I noticed that the lanyards from some of my former former community members are still yellow. 30 years on and i certainly know there's quite a few people in that community with lotus notes tattoos so yes it's a thing it's about showing your passion for something and you expect to be in there forever um and that is probably the cautionary tale is not it because things do move on and i know lots of those people uh once notes was sort of started declining they were off to off to other things and i know quite a few now are like salesforce developers or they're working in Zoho. Or um, the, even they've gone fully to the dark side and are now developing power apps for um, for um, Microsoft. <laughs> um, you know, so careful, careful what you make permanent, I suppose. But it's it's great to show your passion.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and like you say, the Iron just seem to attract you know a real passionate community. And um, it, it, Rich it, mentioned about. Yeah. Sorry to say, Rich mentioned about. People having microsoft tattoos and that not you're not one of them i take it rich it's, um,
2: no no yeah. i think i can imagine there's a few people that are surprised that i haven't um but no you uh i mean you know there's like there's liking microsoft and there's liking microsoft <laughs> um and that's where the question is
0: do do either of you have tattoos full stop. i i don't it's, no it's no, not no i would i would do but
2: no it's definitely really
1: i mean but then never but then, then you apply things to other things i you know i was quite heavily into the car culture in my 20s and 30s and i remember a lot of people driving around with intel inside stickers that have been modified for whatever the engine was in their car for example mm. um on, on the back of cars um it doesn't quite so happen, come into my current sort of uh leisure of cycling quite so much because kind of you are the engine but um certainly yeah, the Intel Inside and window stickers, I've seen those on cars. Um, and, you know, anything that goes on a car, if you're a car enthusiast, means something quite a lot. You know, it's it's not a, not a sort of a casual thing to do. So, um, yeah, I, I've never been one for tattoos. Um, I grew up in Southampton, and tattoos back then were very much a Portsmouth thing. And without yes. getting too much into regional differences, um, right. never the twain shall meet really we don't um, do those <laughs> we no, no it's it's all changed now because you no know, tattoos are, are very much a, for, had for a different reason um but certainly growing up it was kind of no you don't get tattoos because
0: that's a Portsmouth thing that's a
1: navy thing really you know that's right. no, that's the
0: difference right well we'll just have to throw that out there and um Ooh. if anyone has got a tattoo that's related to sam um we're waiting for the first FinOps tattoo i think that's that's got a He'll, he'll probably do it. Actually, just, just it, it, probably do it. It'd be it.
1: interesting yeah. to find out whether whether it's part and parcel of becoming sort of a member of Oracle's um global licensing service the audit team. Whether you need to get an Oracle tattoo to to join that
0: That's team. Absolutely, wouldn't surprise Rite me. Of passage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. All right. Well, that, that brings us to the end of of this this month's podcast. We've got plenty more content on the website. Um, webinars coming up. Anyone got any webinars you want to mention or events coming up? I think we've got a...
2: We've got our Microsoft and Oracle um, sort of end of financial year online summit at the the end of July. So me and AJ, you know, we'll be going through financial results for for each of the vendors for Oracle and Microsoft. You know, where have they done well? Where where haven't they? What does this mean for us all in terms of, uh, you know, risks and opportunities over the next year? Um, so that you know there's always some some good insights um so so say that's end of july um and we've got our uh wisdom unplugged at the london transport museum at the end of september as well um so that's all about itam and finops that one
1: yeah on my side um uh for those of you who are lisa subscribers um or or interested in subscribing to some training we've just launched an introduction to software licensing course. Uh, we recognise that we kind of got into the detail on vendors, but we didn't really kind of provide a foundation. So that's just launched this week, uh, brand new course, couple of hours to to really bring anyone up to speed on how software licenses work. Um, that's coming along. We've got an audit um, course launching as well in July. Um, yeah, so interesting times. And I've, uh, I'm I'm mostly kind of thinking I'm off on holiday next week, so. I'm not thinking too far ahead, but um, yeah, we've just got those couple of things over the line recently. So um, look out for those if you're a Lisa subscriber.
0: Fantastic! All right, well, thanks everyone. We'll sign off here. Thank you very much, everyone. See you next time.